Living in a world where the digital and physical realities have begun to intertwine, our next guest is rewriting the standard healthcare playbook by providing accessible quality front-end medical services to achieve a positive global impact. Julian Serco, co-founder of Hyfe, joins us to discuss how his team has built the world's most advanced AI-assisted cough classifier that provides individuals and physicians essential diagnostic information. Julian also shares how Hyfe is empowering its patients by combining acoustic epidemiology and AI learning that delivers cost-effective and real-time data to their smartphone. As innovation in healthcare is rapidly accelerating, join us to discover how Julian is transforming the industry and impacting global health through advancing AI cough detection. Let's go. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Julian, welcome to our podcast. It's so great to meet up with you today. Great to be here, Mike. Well, given your passion and expertise of building and investing in impact-minded ventures, just like your newest startup we will be discussing today, I'm really looking forward to our conversation. But before we dive in, a bit of housekeeping. While listening to any of our episodes, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast so you will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli and Apple Podcasts Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And lastly, please visit the bottom of the episode notes to connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Clubhouse in order to further the conversations occurring on this podcast. All right, Julian, it's almost time for our community to learn why you've been so dedicated to creating positive social change and what you're currently building at Hyfe, the world's most advanced acoustic AI cough detector that closely monitors respiratory health. But first, Julian, What's that one piece of advice you would give to others who are passionate about reimagining the health of our world? Thanks, Mike. My piece of advice would be to try and build from, from first principles, right? I mean, we're coming into a sector that hasn't seen much innovation on the front end for a long time. And I don't think we can innovate in small increments. I don't think you can change healthcare by doing small changes, by building hybrid models. So I'm a huge fan of building from first principles. And I think that we're living, this is a great time to build from first principles, right? Because there's a few fundamental things happening at the macro level. I mean, probably for the first time ever, we live in a world where the digital reality is more important than the physical reality to most people. I mean, you do everything on your phone, right? You develop fulfilling, strong friendships on the phone. You're doing your payments. You're doing your work on the phone. You're doing your dating on the phone. and this is the metaverse, right? And we have to think about innovation in healthcare that way. And if you try to innovate in any other way, I don't think you're going to get too far. Well, look at today, just as an example of this podcast recording, you coming in from Vienna, Austria, myself in Denver, Colorado, and we're able to have this, what is going to be a very exciting conversation to your point, right? These are the new digital norms and digital paradigms that we live in. And I think, Julian, another big example of that is, you know, that further accelerated this reality, the pandemic, right? I mean, That's this right. really brought to life the need to leverage these digital tools. Would that be correct? That's correct. I think that the pandemic is, I mean, 
interesting time, by the way. But the pandemic has been a fantastic accelerator of innovation, in healthcare in particular, right? It exposed all the sort of weaknesses that we had in our system, but it also forced people to change the way they think about delivering their services. I mean, social distancing was a fantastic innovation accelerator, right? For all its difficulties and so on. All of a sudden, people had to make a plan on how to see their patients from a distance, how to treat them, how to monitor them from a distance. And this would have happened anyway, right? Because life's moving online, everything's moving online. But the pandemic has just accelerated. And I can say honestly that we are, at my company and myself, we benefited from that enormously. We just surfed a big wave. And that's kind of part of our success so far. Well, we're going to talk about those big waves. More importantly, we're going to talk about the amazing surfboard that you and the team are building to ride those big waves after we get back from thanking our community champion sponsor. Located in Denver, Colorado's nationally ranked River North District, Catalyst is a healthcare innovation campus that brings together stakeholders from across the industry to accelerate innovation and drive real, lasting change our nation desperately needs. From established organizations to startups, from accelerators to advocacy organizations, and from medical schools to global companies, everyone at Catalyst works side by side to create, develop, refine, and bring to market cutting-edge innovations that will fundamentally transform healthcare as we know it. With industry leaders like Medical Group Management Association, Olive, Medical Solutions, UC Health, Cirrus MD, and many others calling Catalyst home, along with innovative pioneers visiting from across the nation, Catalyst continually fosters their foundational belief that collaboration and partnerships will move the healthcare industry forward. To virtually tour Catalyst and claim your space on campus, or host an upcoming event, visit CatalystHealthTech.com or visit the top of the episode notes and click on their link. All right, we are back with Julian Serco, co-founder of Hive, coming from Vienna, Austria. Julian, well, first of all, I can't wait to get back traveling again. And if so, trust me, my friend, I will be calling you. I am dreaming of getting to places like in Austria, like in Vienna. So you will be one of the first ones I'm going to call and we can wait. get back out on the road. And the invite is back to you as well. You want to bring the family out here to Denver, Colorado. We have some amazing mountains. You know, they say people come here for the skiing. And I know you guys got some great skiing out there. But people stay here for the summer in Denver. It's an amazing place. Amazing. But all joking aside, and hopefully one day we get back to, you know, hanging out together in person. But for now, we're going to talk about all of these digital trends. We're going to talk about what you guys have been building at Hive, how you've been riding that wave, building that big surfboard to ride them. So let's start first how this all came to be in the first place, right? You guys at Hive, you guys have been at it now for a little bit. You guys are doing some wonderful work, almost two years in the making with Hive, but of course, that just didn't happen overnight. How did this all come to be in the first place? Julian, give us a little bit of that history lesson, then we'll dive into kind of current state, where Hive is, all the good trouble you guys are causing. Then, of course, we need to talk about where are things heading. The world's changing so rapidly. We want to talk about that a bit. And of course, how we can be helping you out. But first, give us a little bit about Founders Journey. How did this all come to be in the first place, Julian? Yeah, so I actually have a very nonlinear journey. And I guess that's true for many entrepreneurs. So startups have been my third career. I've started my career as a humanitarian worker. And that's because my background and my first passion have been human rights protection. So as a young man, throughout my 20s, I guess, I've kind of followed all the conflicts in the world for 10 years, from the Balkans to East Timor, to Afghanistan, to Congo, to Somalia. And I've just done 
protection work in post-conflict settings. I was a humanitarian worker and I loved every moment of it, right? And to this day, I think that's been the most fulfilling work I've done. And it's definitely shaped me in ways that I still benefit today. And from there, I pivoted into more traditional development work. So I've spent another decade, I guess, running large operations, mostly in Southern Africa. And this is actually how I got into health, because a lot of these operations were public health projects. And I had the privilege to be at the center of some fascinating project. I was running an HIV program in what was at the time the epicenter of the HIV epidemic in Eswatini in Southern Africa. Learned a lot, of course, loved it. And actually, this is how I got into entrepreneurship, because I had, at the time, probably the best job in development. I was working with this group, US-based, called PSI. And we were unique in our approach because we believed that the best way to achieve impact at scale is to identify market opportunities and build something on those markets, even if at first we can't make any profit. So the idea is, oh, people don't have access to quality medical services. Is there any way to build a medical services franchise and put it on this market and see if it grows into a sustainable business? And I've spent a lot of time with that. And I have to say that if you work on African markets as an entrepreneur, that's the best entrepreneurship school there is because African markets have a long history of destroying really large, well-capitalized business ideas. Large Western companies go to Africa with big coffers and say, we're going to establish ourselves here and make a lot of money. And often they fail because you have to work differently there. The playbook just doesn't work because there's a minimal structural reasons, consumer behavior is different. The way that money works in that economy is different. And for me, that was a fantastic school of entrepreneurship because I cut my teeth there and I learned to keep an open mind when you approach a market. I learned to question the playbooks the standard playbooks, and I learned to pay attention. I learned to pay attention to consumers, to what people are doing. And to this day, it's been very valuable to me. Anyway, long story short, I built my first startup in that context. I was living in Mozambique at the time. And from there, I grew it kind of uh, regionally and then globally. And over the years, I founded a bunch of other businesses. I've crashed most of them. They just didn't work out. Learned a ton along the way. <laughs> I've built businesses in consumer tech in uh, FMCG, fast-moving consumer goods. I even built a blockchain business. I spent the last three years trying to take to scale a blockchain business. And if there's a red thread through all of this, right, from humanitarian work to development work to trying to build markets in Africa to technology startups, is that what I'm really obsessed with, Mike, is finding ways to achieve impact at scale. And it's not easy. I mean, you know, it's one of those things. It's just super, super hard. And I will die on this hill, Mike. The Amazon of the next generation, I'm convinced the companies that will dominate the economic world in the next generation will be companies that will figure out how to make a ton of money while at the same time creating positive rather than negative externalities. Because we're leaving the traditional growth-based economic framework and we're going into a purpose-based framework. Everybody who will succeed in the future will have to prove to the people who give them money, to the customers, that they have a purpose that resonates with us as payers. And I love that because this sort of fundamental changes in the fiber of how we think about economics are great for insurgents. If you think like an insurgent, they're fantastic times because the incumbents, they're confused by it. They have the playbook. They've been playing it for 30 years. They don't get it. Why doesn't it work anymore? And 
that's where we come in, you know, and that's kind of a way to bring me to my latest venture, which we founded about 18 months ago. And we found it because we stumbled upon a, an insight that blew my mind. And I have to say, I'm not a medical professional. I'm an entrepreneur. In fact, my line in our team is that my job in the founder team is to reduce the average IQ. That's kind of what I do. We have some people in the team, you know, my business partners, they're brilliant. They have profound, deep domain expertise. I just come in there and I reduce the average IQ. And that's good because people don't get intimidated. And it's a very important job that I have there. And the insight that blew my mind is that it's currently impossible to quantify cough, Mike. That's crazy. Say you get admitted to the best hospital in the world for a respiratory disease, pneumonia, or some other respiratory disease. And they connect you to a dozen different sensors, right? They take the oxygen in your blood. They look at your pulse. The coughing will be evaluated by the doctor seeing you at 7.30 in the morning on their rounds. And they're going to be like, hey, Mike, how's your coughing? And you're going to be like, doctor, it's bad. Or doctor, it's good. And that's it. That's the exchange of information on which the doctor bases their clinical evaluation. Let's take a pause there for a moment, Julian. Yeah, yeah, sure. Because I'm fascinated by, you mentioned you're not a traditional, you know, healthcare entrepreneur and building startups in healthcare. You're new to the industry, which I love, by the way, because we can't keep doing what we have been doing for the past number of decades. It's obviously not working. We need new, fresh minds, new thinkers, just like yourself. So, Julian, let me pause you there and ask a question. So, you mentioned about, okay, you're about 18 months into it. How did you stumble on that in the first place that we are not quantifying cough? How did you stumble? Where was the aha moment? Did you meet somebody? Where did that light bulb go off and how? Right. So through my various entrepreneurial initiatives in the past, I've gotten pretty good at converting technologies into products. And this is something that many, many smart teams fail to do. You have technologies that are fantastic and have amazing potential but often they fail to convert into a product. Because if you go to market thinking like an engineer, building something around your technology, that's probably the wrong way to go about it. What you wanna do is you wanna go to the market thinking about a real problem that real people have, and then see if you can use some technology to solve that problem. And I've been involved with a lot of founder teams, either because I enjoyed it and they were friends or because I've been on advisory boards and stuff. So I've been connected to the healthcare ecosystem for a while. And in that process, I've come across some really, really smart people and some really, really smart ideas. And the idea of cough, basically the idea of using artificial intelligence to classify sounds is something that I didn't come up with that, right? And I don't even think my business partners came up with that. It's something that has been out there as a challenge, as a what if for a long time. And I just found myself in a situation where I was speaking to some people who were passionate about this, and I knew some other people who would have been willing to pay for something like this. And that kind of brought us all together, and this is how Hive started. And actually, the fact that I don't have any domain expertise does not mean that our company doesn't have any domain expertise. In fact, our chief medical officer is a world-famous medical expert and someone who spent their life obsessing about cough and about respiratory disease. So we have that expertise in the team. Well, Julian... What I always love to say is I'm fortunate to be able to mentor and advise quite a few startups as well. The best founders and the best CEOs are the ones that go and surround themselves with people that are even smarter and have more domain expertise. So you're actually, you're nailing it, my friend, in regards to surrounding yourself in Hive with the players that know exactly how to pull this off. So 
absolutely love a little bit of that journey. So let's turn a little bit, Julian, let's now start talking about what is Hyfe. So I'm going to ask you, you know, I'm going to put you on the spot, a little elevator pitch, you know, share with us what it is and then what you guys are up to right now, what you're experiencing in the marketplace, all that good stuff. But first, what is Hyfe? So the best way to describe Hyfe is Fitbit for cough. So it's a platform that counts, quantifies, measures cough. And that's because, as I was saying earlier, cough contains so much information, yet that information is ignored. In fact, it's not always ignored. Like if you talk to an experienced palmologist, they will tell you that, oh, I can listen to a cough and I can tell you if this patient has this or the other disease. Experience makes it possible that you can tell different diseases by the sound. But the problem is that most of the coughing happens away from experts, right? When you cough, Mike, for whatever reason, you're not in front of a palmologist with 30 years of experience in their ear. You're coughing at home in front of a TV while you're having dinner, while you're sleeping. But you know what you have around while you're having dinner, while you're on TV, while you're sleeping? You have a smartphone around. And the smartphone can listen to stuff and the smartphone can run programs. And that's basically what we built. We built a program that runs on any smartphone and it listens just like a palmologist and tells you when you cough. And that's basically Hive. Thank you for that, Julian. So in regards to what you guys are experiencing today in the marketplace, obviously one big use case, COVID-19, right? But of course, there's many other types of use cases to apply this to different disease states, et cetera. So how are things going right now for your team, Julian, in the marketplace? What are you guys experiencing, good, bad, ugly, or otherwise? How's it going in the marketplace? What's really resonating out there? So the best thing about doing something for the first time, right? Like we don't have a reference cuff. There's no other way to quantify cuff, right? We're the first on the market. And the great thing about that is that you're kind of stumbling in the dark, right? So you're forced to have an open mind. You're forced to ask yourself, I wonder who is out there and how can we build a lot of value for them? So what we did is we built a super basic version of our app pretty much in a few weeks after we found it. And we launched it on the market. And ever since we get so much insights from the market. Do you know how many people suffer from persistent coughing that they cannot explain? I had no idea, but there's a lot of people. They just cough, they have no idea why. And they all have a similar journey. They start coughing, they see a doctor. The doctor doesn't know how much they cough because there's no way to quantify. I mean, imagine you're going to a cardiologist and they don't take your blood pressure. They say, how do you feel? And you say, I'm feeling dizzy. That's basically the level of coughing. Therefore, these people cough a lot They can't explain how much they cough. They don't even know if they cough more or less than they used to. And they just see one doctor and they see another one. They do an x-ray. They don't find anything. And then they just end up trying to figure out by themselves what's going on. And they start then to do small changes in their lifestyle and see what happens. Oh, maybe if I don't eat gluten, I'll cough less. Or maybe if I rest more, I'll cough. And our app turns out to be the perfect companion for that, right? Because if you're doing a change, you're trying to see correlation between something that you've done, a variable that you changed, and how that affects your coughing, you have to measure that somehow, you know? And we found a lot of people, we haven't spent a cent in marketing, Mike, and we have a lot of people who just end up downloading our app, and they write to us, they reach out to us, they tell us what they want, and then it turns out that there's also a lot of providers that love this because Due to the pandemic, they were forced to manage their patients from afar, social distancing. And all of a sudden, they had an app. They had basically a dashboard where you can monitor 20 different patients or 200 or 2 million. There's no limit to scale, right? In a dashboard and see their cough frequency in real time and say, oh, patient A, looks like their treatment's not working. Let's give them a call. 
oh, patient B, it worked and it stopped working, which means that they forgot to take their pill. Let's call them up. Patient C, and you can even click on your dashboard on each individual cuff and listen to it, right? So then, you know, you can apply that expertise that you've acquired over 30 years as a pulmonologist by listening to two weeks worth of cuffs in one minute. You can listen to them one after the other. And that just overwhelmed us, that interest, you know? And finally, you know who else needs to monitor cuffs? Well, if you're doing a clinical trial, if you're a vaccine company or you're putting on the market some sort of, of medicine and your question in your research protocol is, I wonder if coughing improves or gets worse with this particular treatment, you need to know how many times people cough in your trial. And you know what the alternative is? You know how, what's the standard in clinical trial? Crazy. They give patients an MP3 recorder, basically, and say, please take this home. Sorry, not patients, participants in the clinical studies. And the participant has to sit at home and record everything for 24 hours, every minute, every second of their life. And then that recorder gets given to the principal investigator, who then hires some people who listen, maybe to an accelerated, kind of a fast, high-speed version of that thing. And they just say, cough, 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 on a timeline. How do you do that at scale? It's impossible, right? And it turns out that we're the best, the only game in town. So we have a lot of interest from researchers, basically clinical researchers. And we're now part of 30 different clinical trials in 18 months of existence. That is unbelievable, Julian. What a great story. And thanks for sharing kind of current state where everything is. But of course, you know as well as I do, Julian, in regards to artificial intelligence, it only gets smarter over time when it has ingested more data. So right. I'm imagining you're already probably seeing the Hyfe technology and what you've built just getting better and better every single day that Hyfe wakes up, huh? That's right. That's right. And, you know, I mean, we actually, we have so much data in our data sets that we can't keep up with it. It's kind of a startup problem, hashtag startup problems. You know, we just don't have the bandwidth to process all this data because processing bandwidth, you know, it takes resources. And because we're building machine learning models, you need to have some sort of labeling for your data set. So we have more than 110 million samples of data, if you can believe it. And all of this data is real world data. And that's important because if you think about acoustic AI for sure, and probably other AI fields, the typical team works like this. There's some scientists in a university that have these assumptions that they want to test. And then they go about setting up their first data set. What they do, they travel around campus with a microphone and they say, hey, could you cough here three times? Could you cough here three times? And they put together 5,000 samples like this and then they build a model on top of that. But there's a huge problem with that because 5,000 is a very low number actually for machine learning. And there's some big biases in those samples, right? Because First bias is everybody on campus is of a certain social demographic background. They're between 19 and 24. They come from a background of probably middle class or upper middle class from a certain part of the world. And that builds bias into your data set that will reflect into your model that's really hard to catch, right? And then all of a sudden we'll have weird outputs 10 years from now. And the other problem is that if I say to you now, hey, Mike, I'm going to take a picture, please smile. Your smile will be very different from the smile that you'll have if I crack a great joke, right? It's artificial versus natural. And it's the same with cough, or our theory is that it's the same with cough. Perhaps your cough that you're faking when I go, <coughs> is very different from your cough when you have a disease and you're coughing, right? And it's 
different in terms of the structure, the way it sounds and the way that the amplitude and so on, but it's different in terms of how it happens longitudinally, right? Because if you're sick, maybe you're coughing more at night, or maybe you're coughing more after you eat, or maybe the cough comes in clusters of five. And if you're building a data set in a laboratory, you will not get any of that data. Whereas this 110 million samples that we have, all of them are collected in the real world using phones from people who have crying babies next door, barking dogs, construction sites. All of that is part of our data set. Well, it's a very good problem to have. As you mentioned earlier, Julian, you have so much data you guys got to get through. That's a great problem to have for any startup. I don't care what size you are. That's phenomenal. So excellent story there. And thank you for sharing all of that as well. So Julian, let's also talk, you know, it's going to be a very bright and exciting future for what you and the team are up to. But as you know, as well as I do, things have changed rapidly over the past two years and things are only going to continue to accelerate as we continue to push forward and in innovating the health of our world, the healthcare industry and beyond. So Julian, what does it look like not only, you know, across the industry and across the globe, because you guys are working globally, what does it look like future state next kind of one to two, two to three years? And then of course, what does that also mean for Hive? Where are things going next? So I think that we'll see so much change in healthcare over the next two to three years. And I mean, I can see some of the fundamental trends happening already. So I think that one big trend is obviously this kind of moving to digital and rethinking the interface. I read once something that someone said, and I, I forgot who it was, but I think it's the best description of healthcare I've ever heard, is we have medicine from Star Wars and healthcare from the Flintstones. That was the expression, right? So on the back end, the science is amazing. But on the front end, if you need an appointment, you call some number and then they say, what's your name? And what's your social security number? And what's your date of birth? Then you go there three weeks later, they give you a paper, you have to fill in, what's your name? What's it? It's crazy. If healthcare was a product, the user experience would be just horrible, right? So we're going to see exponential changes there. And that's because there's obviously a lot of innovation happening, but it's just not, there's no way around it. And we also see a lot of more data being put into the decision making. Like one thing that I think we'll see a lot of in the future is we're going to see the blurring of the lines between prevention, treatment, lifestyle. If you're thinking about people in our age group, and I don't mean to make any assumptions, but it's just you start suffering from joints, start hurting, the back isn't what it used to be. And you go to a doctor and they're sent to an MRI. The MRI doesn't find anything. And you find out that if you sleep on a nice mattress, your pain kind of goes away. Maybe the mattress is something that needs to be put on a prescription. And it's kind of an extreme story, but there are correlation between inputs and outcomes in health that traditionally no one thought that at these correlations as, oh, this is healthcare. But with data coming now into the system, you can see those correlations. And if you're a payer, you're like, well, a mattress, I can just help this person, give them 20% off or subsidize that mattress by 20%. And that will save me five MRI over the next three years because this back pain is not going away. And it's the same with air. You live in New Orleans, the air is, you know, in summer, pretty humid and really hot. And that can trigger, particularly if you have some sort of background condition that can trigger syndromes that will cost the pair a lot of money because you'll end up at the hospital. But if you put air conditioning in that place, then that's going to be avoided. And so things that would be normally lifestyle have an immediate impact on outcomes and on costs. And I think there's a lot of super interesting initiatives in our space going that way. And finally, of course, we're moving everything to smartphones. I mean, if people date on their smartphones, they better get healthcare on it. You know what I mean? I can order right now a hot coffee 
it's going to come, someone's going to bring it to me. Why can't I have some sort of healthcare services on the smartphone? And that's where we're coming in. What that means for us to bring it down to our own thing is the most exciting thing at Hive that we don't talk about very much is that we believe that diseases have unique signature. And this is, it's not a controversial belief, like they sound differently. And that means that we can build diagnostic tools based on the sound. You know, you can do that with a spot analysis or you can do it longitudinally, it doesn't matter, right? But there is this really tangible possibility of having a phone providing a diagnostic or a diagnostic support. And that means that you can basically bring a very needed service and a big barrier to treatment everywhere in the world. Like people don't get treated because they don't get tested or they don't get diagnosed. That happens in every indication, every disease, any part of the world. And you can just bring it on a phone. And that gets me really excited. And that's kind of where the future is, I think. Well, it's an exciting one and it's going to be here faster than we all know. And for me, and I'm sure same for you, I'm very excited about exactly what you just outlined. It's going to be an exciting time to be an entrepreneur in this space and the opportunity to think anew because, again, we have to do this. This is where things are heading. The consumer, the patient now being focused as a consumer, they're going to demand it, right? This is just, it's non-negotiable. So we have to meet the consumer where they're at, which is for me, again, very exciting. So of course, Julian, it is an exciting future for you and the Hive team, but of course, to be able to get to that future and and take full advantage of it, we want to be able to help you out as well. You know, we have an incredible community rallied around this podcast. So always love to ask, how can we be helping you? What's one problem, need, or question that you and the Hive team have that our community can be helping you with? I think that one of the most interesting problems that we have in tech today, particularly in artificial intelligence, is there is a tension between accuracy or impact and privacy. Privacy is like a big deal, as it should be. And that, unfortunately, we are at the tail end, hopefully, of an era in which our privacy has been encroached on by kind of sketchy business models which kind of define the modern internet, right? Like the modern internet has taught us to be okay with pretty sketchy business models as long as we get some dopamine hit for free. And people start to wonder if that's the way to go. And I love that. And I think that that's the sort of conversation that we need to have. And I'd love to hear from your community and I'd love to engage with the community on this topic because it's something that we are thinking about a lot. So you're having a phone that could potentially diagnose any disease. So you could roll out, this is basically our future a few years from today. We roll out a diagnostic for pennies all over the world. Don't care where you live, who you are, if you have a disease, it can be diagnosed. This is life-changing stuff. But the price of that is you have to share some data. And you know, you do it in ways that are ethical and transparent, but there is a trade-off. The models need to look at some data in order to give you an output that is accurate enough. And if you go one step further and you're looking at personalized health, which I think is a fascinating space in this future of healthcare, my health, the health that I receive is not some cookie cutter thing. It's personalized to my needs, to my lifestyle, to my problems. How can we build this in a way that is ethical and transparent and that people feel confident in that tension? And I would love to find that sweet spot. And I would love to hear from your community, from this community, on how we can do that better. 
Well, I know there are community members that are equally as excited and passionate about those topics, Julian, but in order for them to get a hold of you, we need to know where to find you online. So what are some uh, contact points, social media handles, websites, or otherwise? How can we get a hold of you? So our company is at, at the website's hive.ai. That's H-Y-F-E dot A-I. We're on Twitter, Instagram, on all the social media as Hive app, H-Y-F-E-A-P-P. And me personally, I'm always on Twitter and I can be found at, at I underscore Circo, C-I-R-C-O. And I'd love to engage with people on Twitter on any of these topics. Excellent. And all those contact points for our community, they will be in the episode notes. So simply scroll down in your favorite podcast player to click on through to get a hold of Julian and the Hyfe team. Of course, we also have a post in our free global online community at passionatepioneers.com where those contact points will be online. And you can also leave some comments, questions, feedback, or otherwise for Julian and the team, again, over at passionatepioneers.com. Well, Julian, we have one more piece for you and we'll get you out of here so you can keep going and causing all that good trouble with Hyfe. You are very passionate about what you're building. This is why I love hanging out with entrepreneurs just like you. But before we let you go, I have a fill in the blank for you. I'm a passionate pioneer because? I'm a passionate pioneer because I believe we can reimagine health if we put a patient at the center and empower them with data. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. Well said. You summed it up perfectly for this episode. So Julian, thank you from Denver, Colorado, all the way to you over in Austria. Uh, I hope all is well in Vienna. Again, I'm going to keep you honest on that and do the same for me when we can get back traveling around the globe. You always have a friend here in Colorado. And of course, I'll look you up over in Vienna. But for now, Thank you so much for joining us today, Julian. It was an absolute honor. Keep up all the wonderful work at Hive. Keep us posted with how things are going. But for now and again, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me, Mike. And I'm looking forward to cutting some lines on the mountains on skis with you. Vienna or Colorado. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode. 